0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Mojo Rising, How to Make Cancer Suck Less. I'm your host, Julie Stevens, and as you know, there are so many topics within the cancer world that are so well-researched, but most of the social-emotional aspects of cancer are not. In fact, they're almost a black box. There were a few issues throughout my journey that really threw me for a loop and really took up a lot of mind share. and shockingly enough, the sexuality and femininity were big triggers for me, and I thought I was alone until I read many, many, many other women were struggling with the same issues. And I didn't even have breast cancer or ovarian cancer. We, but we all know that sex is a normal and natural part of human behavior. So I wanted to da- dig into this taboo topic with a real expert. And so I've invited an author, keynote speaker, educator and expert, Kristen D'Amato to
1: join us to really dive into this specific topic. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I feel like it's something that we're going to be able to provide a lot of value for the viewers and at least get people feeling like they're not alone in this and also start to really think about it in a different way than perhaps they have been thus far.
0: For sure. And that's kind of the very first message I know that we both really want to help all of our listeners understand is you are not alone. You're not abnormal. It is absolutely normal to not feel exactly how you did before, because let's be real, you're not exactly the same person you were before. So some evolutions are totally normal in this process. So Kristen, is there anything else you'd start to kind of as an overview statement that you'd want to make to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I think one of the main things is that there's the physical part of dealing with cancer, all the treatments and all that stuff that a person goes through. And then there are, like you said, the social emotional, and they're just as important in the healing process. And I think sometimes, you know, the attention in conventional medicine isn't necessarily placed on that. That's not necessarily the job, right? The target is like, fix the machine of the body to the best one can and then move on. And really in my work and in my experience to truly fix the machine or the body there needs to be a looking at an attention to different other categories and one of those categories is this relationship to one's sexuality sexual power um and allowing it to be an experience where you can feel freedom and the where where you're where you're um willing to look in maybe some tender, scary spots of shame and um, different types of traumatic experiences that maybe contributed to some illness, whether it's cancer or not, that contributes to chronic conditions. And so that's sort of like the bigger arc of where I'm coming from in this conversation right now. Embodying your sexual power is one aspect of this bigger umbrella picture of the way that I look at healing and relationship to the body and health. So I just kind of wanted to like set that sort of template so that people know where I'm coming from in my area of expertise as we're having this conversation. It is around sex and sexuality and intimacy, but it's also around these other facets of healing like unexpressed emotions and there's there's some others as well. And they're all connected and they're all part of the healing process. For sure. So let's kind of break this apart for just a
0: second, because as someone who's been through cancer treatment, there are some real physical changes that happen to your body that change um, your approach to sex. And I have done some research on Facebook groups and talking with other patients and, 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 and survivors and- Perhaps physical changes like dryness or, um, you know, hair changes or even body dysmorphic disorders, or I had a breast reduction, I had this, you know, reconstruction or this happened or that. So there are physical changes that really do change how you feel about intimacy and sex. So I think that's that's real. Let's just acknowledge that sometimes you have to dig a little deeper and find some alternatives. Um, I laugh because there's an entire thread on what sort of lubricant you could consider using um, in in w- while you're in chemo or after chemo on some of the Facebook groups. So again, I know this is not just me alone, but it is okay to have to use something different. So like from a physical perspective, let's just say that you may have to evolve and pivot. You may have to buy some sexy lingerie that maybe doesn't show your scar or makes you feel more attractive or things like that to to start this process and to help reinvent and find that sexuality. Would you agree with that, Kristen?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're not going to necessarily focus on those pieces in this conversation. Um, However, as you're speaking, one of the things that stands out to me is to remember to even broaden that you're not alone and that all of our bodies experience change. And if you can sort of just like be tender with yourself, gentle with yourself for a moment, and realize that okay, you have cancer now or you've gone through this experience of having cancer and your body has changed and you're not gonna be the person you were before. And that's that's okay, that's a beautiful thing. You've gone through this powerful transformational journey. And so it's like, it's similar to when you have a baby, right? It's like you come out on the other side and your body is different. There's many different things that happen in a woman's life certainly in a man's life, but I'm in a woman's body. So I'm going to speak from that perspective that happened throughout our life and throughout our aging process that require us to be able to modify how we were doing things before and be open to trying new things and new experiences. So in terms of lubricants and toys and different approaches that positions that maybe didn't work before or did work before. And just having, having a, a willingness to get a little bit adventurous and curious is going to help the process for sure. For and sure. well, I, I think we will get in a little bit more to some of the body dysmorphic stuff because that's a little different than just like the very, um, simple, like I'm dry. What can I do about it? For example, or like, I don't know how to experience pleasure in this position that always used to bring me pleasure before. So that's a different, um, I'm speaking more to those right now, rather than the body dysmorphic pieces.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and in my journey, for example, um, I had to have um, you know, a, a pretty decent surgery. I had to have a, a foot of my colon and 61 lymph nodes and my appendix removed in a very sudden and traumatic surgery. And after that surgery, for example, I was forced into menopause. Now that's changed over time, but it was one of the most scary moments of my life for me to think I just beat cancer or sorry, I, sorry, I just had surgery for cancer. I had very, very bad cancer. And all of a sudden, no matter what, I am now thrown into menopause and that changed. that was a whole nother stressor that was added to my cancer journey. Um, that, that, that really did create chaos in my mental and mental health game. Um, and I think that happens to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. So again, let's just go ahead and say like, there will be physical changes. And those are things that you should talk to your doctor about. You should take to the Facebook groups, understand what's working for other people, or if there's a lubricant or if there's an option or something like that, that you can bring to bear that can help you, um, in your sexuality. But before we even get to the physical, I think it's the emotional desire to want to have sex. So Mm -hmm. Kristen, what would you say anything about that that you'd want to to help impart some wisdom for our listeners?
1: Yeah, I think right now the part that stands out to me most, and this is related to the body dysmorphic pieces, and even if that's not what's going on for you, is that having a, a grieving process for yourself, giving yourself permission, to really grieve what all of it, you know, and there's, and there's like, I'm sure there were the versions of like, oh my God, I have cancer and, and how terrifying that was and the fear that came up and that version of grief or partial grief, maybe that's still something that needs to be grieved for you, that you weren't allowing yourself to grieve that because you felt like you couldn't, you know, you had to hold it together for your family. You had to be strong for the treatment. You needed to stay in a positive mindset where you couldn't let yourself grieve. These types of messages that you received either from yourself internally or externally that shut down a grief process around the existential question of death and facing this this experience all of a sudden imminently, right? We all are going to die at some point. And most of us are terrified of what that is. There's fear there and they haven't reconciled that. So whether or not you have gone through the process and you're in remission, you still were confronted with that when you were given that diagnosis. So having a grief process there, and I'm then talking even more specifically, if there is a body part that was removed, if your body looks different, if you feel different in your body and your body looks pretty much exactly the same, if your relationship ended while you were going through treatments, um, if you lost an ovary, if you got put all of a sudden you're experiencing menopause. There's all these different shifts, right that that it's really important to mark them and allow yourself to feel the emotions around them to allow yourself to grieve. And there's different ways that you can invite that in. You can do that through expressive writing in in terms of journaling and just like free flow journaling to allow some of those emotions to come back up to the surface, creating a safe and sacred space for yourself and really carving out some intentional time that I'm gonna connect with, I'm gonna have a grief ritual of some sort. And you could have that be in nature. You could have that be burying something in your garden or in the earth that is a process of you like letting go and allowing that transformation to occur more fully. Without having an expression of the emotions and the expression of grief, that's still going to be stuck and stored inside of you somewhere. And it may rear its head in different ways, perhaps emotionally through frustration, anger, perhaps turning it back in on yourself through shaming and blaming yourself, perhaps through isolation and distancing yourself. And um, then that side effect of that being loneliness, Um, there's different ways it can play out. So the key here is, is there any more grief? And it's not a one and done deal. You know, it's not like, okay, I've grieved it. I'm done. Let's move on. It is a dying process. It is a letting go process, which is a process of death. And you're, you're wanting to complete this cycle to be able to move into the birth, the rebirth process of this new person that you are now post that part of your life experience. For sure.
0: You know, I think about that grief process and I I'm am I'm, I laugh because many friends have actually said I'm a master reframer. And I think that is actually one of my super strengths. And I definitely grieved, but part of my grief was um, um, realizing that I wasn't choosing me. And that was a a core part of probably why I had cancer and the choices I'd make from a diet and lifestyle and an energetic perspective. And it was also through this grief of my of what I thought my life I thought I the life I thought I would have versus the life I now was going to have to embrace, was a true um, white space where I was able to start with I need to choose me in all my decisions because you have to put your your life mask on before you can save someone else. And I think that process even in your sexuality is really important. Like I have to redefine who I am and who, who like what's important to me and how I choose me. Would you agree with
1: that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Now more than ever, you know, it's like, okay, you get the opportunity to do this in a different way. And what that looks like is taking the journey to get in touch with what your desires are. And I don't mean just sexual and pleasure desires. Definitely that but this is a bigger picture thing. It's all connected, right? So it's like, what do I want? Do I know what I want? And it's okay if you don't. Many don't. Many have been long disconnected from what their desires are, what they want, truly want, because they've been in these roles of caretaking others since they were children, And then you add on the societal expectations to that, cultural, all these layers onto that. And it is no surprise that we end up feeling lost and disconnected from what it is that we actually truly want and not what we feel like we're supposed to want or supposed to do. What is the life you truly want? What is the type of intimacy you truly want? What is the type of touch you truly want? What really feels good and safe and expansive and open and exhilarating? And so taking the time on your own without a partner, if you have a partner, they're not part of this process yet, taking the time on your own to really contemplate these questions and then explore explore you know what does it feel what are the parts of my body that i that feel really um loving to me to be touched what are the parts that feel a little more like ooh that that feels like exciting and a little more electric and just like slowing everything down and really tuning into what feels good to me and what doesn't and then from there and this can be really take a lot of courage Then from there, starting to speak that out loud. Again, you can do it on your own first. Speak it out loud to yourself before another person's even in the equation. And start practicing what it feels like to say these words about what you want. And here you're starting to play with with the boundary setting. Ultimately, it will be speaking out what you want and then stopping and saying no when you don't want it and really narrowing that window of tolerance to hopefully zero. The faster you get to that zero tolerance space, the better for allowing um, things you don't want to be happening to happen. I think- what you're talking about is so important, but I honestly believe that so
0: many of our listeners won't really actually understand what you're saying. So can you break that down and give us an example? Okay, so we just have given people so far, four steps of grieve it out. read that out, choose you, personally tune into your body and then speak it out. So when you're thinking about a way that someone would tune into their body and speak it out, can you give an example of what that could look like?
1: Yeah, so- let's say, keeping it in the realm of pleasure and sex and intimacy, since that's what this discussion is about. I have, in my book, I have a a gender nonspecific self-pleasure exercise. And again, it's a sensual exercise more than it is a sexual exercise. It could evolve into that, but it's really more about getting in touch with your senses, your sensuality in a way that you have curiosity about curiosity is key so it's like what are the things that and you could start with you can break it down to one sense at a time what are the smells that really turn me on that that I just feel my whole body like oh god that smells so good where like you really take it in and you're just like yes that smells so good Like um, we have these white roses in the neighborhood here. I stop and smell them all the time because it just, it transports me. They're so incredible. You know, these simple, simple gestures with food, the same thing. What is a food that eats where it's the whole experience. It's the way it feels on my tongue, in my body, on my mouth, like really slowing down enough to tune into the sensual experience you're having in a very like the minutia of that to really start to get this nuance of what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And it's a practice that's going to allow you to start to strengthen muscles of what feels good and what doesn't feel good in other areas of your life as well. Because it's an embodied experience, you're feeling it in your body, you're not thinking about it in your head. You're like, you're starting to train yourself to have your attention on what does it feel like in my body to experience pleasure? You what does it feel like? You know, like describe it to yourself. Is it yeah. warm and tingle, warm and tingly? Do you feel electric kind of shocky feelings? Do you feel a chill through your body? Do you feel hot, warm, cold? Do you feel like a an openness in your chest where you feel like you can breathe a bigger breath of air? What does it feel like for you specifically? to experience pleasure in your body. And this is going to be your, like your North star, your guiding point. As you start to bring in more complex situations, like sex with another person where there's a lot going on, but you're training yourself to pay attention to like, oh, that's what it feels like when I'm really enjoying something. And That's what it feels like when I do not like something. I feel this like tightening in my jaw. I feel this constriction in my lower back. I feel this throbbing in my head. I feel this tightness in my chest. Whatever it is for you, everyone has their unique, like the fingerprint, and some can be certainly very similar, but I'm inviting you to really explore what does a yes, this is amazing, this feels so good to me, feel like. And what does a no, absolutely not. This does not feel good. And to pay attention to what's happening in your body, not in your head, not the thoughts in your mind. Those can be deceptive, filled with all the other people's shoulds and all the beliefs. Your body, pay attention to what's going on in your body.
0: I think that's so interesting. And one of the things that I um, am still working on, to be honest, is the reconnection between self and body. And I'll give you an example on a podcast a few, a few podcasts ago, um, a chiropractor, Dr. Wade Port said, you know, we think of ourselves as our body, but if someone was um, in, in a war crime and, or, or you know, in a war issue and lost their legs, it doesn't make them half of a person. It still makes them half of a whole person. Mm-hmm. And so when I was diagnosed, I kind of hated my body. Yeah. I hated my body because it created cancer, because it was willing to kill me. And so to reconnect myself and really understand you know, your your body is the temple that your soul lives in. Both of those things have to be connected. That's part of the healing process. So I think this is all part of that. And what you were just re- describing with the senses and actually allowing yourself to live in joy and feel those senses is such a wonderful way to reconnect that, that mind and body in a really cool way as well.
1: You know, I'm really glad that you brought up that piece because this is another angle that I think is so crucial to what we're talking about right now is making friends with your body. And some of us have not, we're, we're not friends with our body long before cancer came onto the scene. So it's like, what, here's another path of, of inquiry and contemplation. What do I need to do to become friends with my body? And all the stuff we're talking about, it, it may, it's a, you know, I'm, I really want you to be gentle with yourselves in asking these questions and not be pushy Not like to be patient and not feel like you've done something wrong if the answers are not emerging right away, or if you don't know what feels good or doesn't feel good, to just like come at this again and again with a child's mind, with curiosity and gentleness and no pressure, and just kind of, um, if it's not working for you, if you're trying it in a certain moment and you feel yourself getting flustered or agitated or annoyed with yourself, anything like that, stop. Just like stop, stop, stop. It defeats the whole purpose. So, um, that's true about anything that we're talking about today. So this, this question of what do I need to do to become friends with myself? And Julie, this is like, these are the types of questions too, that I think are important to ask for the bigger healing process. And These are the types of questions that could be what brought cancer on to begin with. These deeper questions of disconnection with one's self. And sometimes, I would say oftentimes, I find in my line of work, this is a bigger picture that goes, it started before you, you know, it comes through your family lines there's a lineage aspect that's transferred down as well in terms of these ways we treat ourselves and how what's been modeled and um, how we learn to be women, how we learn to be men, all of these types of things that are big concepts and distilling it down to like these really simple questions for yourself to explore. What do I need right now? to become friends with my body and not hate my body, or if it's a body part. And my suggestion for that to start exploring is to start talking to your body. Your body is an incredible well of wisdom. And this also is a huge part of my work is learning how to listen and decipher the language of your body. Our bodies are speaking to us all the time. They're giving us cues all the time. They're not our enemies. They're incredible miracles. And I know it feels like they're our enemies sometimes. And to be able to sort of reframe, shift the perspective of like, you're in this together with your body. It's not trying to hurt you. It is not, um, yeah, it's not working against you. And to be able to say, okay, just try it out and see what happens. To say, just what if, what if it's not trying to hurt me and work against me? What if the pain that I'm feeling isn't trying to cause me suffering? What if it's trying to communicate something really important to me that I've been missing? And that's crucial for me to know, to move forward in my life in a way that is more whole, in more wellness, to experience more love, joy, vitality. And cancer is like a loud yelling. It's like, I need you to listen. You know, it's the alarm is sounding. And so once you kind of get to a place where you're, where it's not a life-threatening situation, then imminently life-threatening situation, you can take the time to To say, okay, what is my body trying to tell me right now? What do I need to know? This is another practice of strengthening the listening muscles. And your body will start to speak to you in different ways. Sometimes it's literally with words. Sometimes it's with images. Sometimes it's with sensations in your body. And you start to notice these patterns and like, what's happening? What's my body trying to tell me? What is this pain trying to tell me right now? What do I need to do to take care of myself differently in this moment, to meet myself differently in this moment?
0: I think it's so interesting that you're saying this because i that was one of the biggest ahas to me of, of my post-cancer life is not only is everything that happens in my body an indicator, it's like your body's a warning system. And when I have hives or when this happens, or when that happens, like there's a reason to dig deep and to understand because there's something that's not working in your chemistry, but it's the same thing with your emotions. They're also a, an indicator of really what's happening. And if you're angry, there's a reason to dig a little deeper. And if you're sad, there's a reason to dig a little deeper. And so I, it was really for me recognizing that anything besides steady state is a reason to under, there's a reason why that happened. It's not it's not random. So and to understand the correlations between behavior and action and feeling
1: a hundred percent absolutely they they are they are definitely the same. like this guidance system that's just built in that we are very intimately connected with, yeah. that allows us to understand um our preferences and hone in on our hone in on our preferences more clearly. And the more that we are get curious and are willing to listen to those preferences, the more we're going to be able to access this flow state, this fluid state that is more harmonious, that allows us to experience a lot more joy and pleasure and love and all the good feeling things, you know,
0: for sure. So one of the questions I had for you was really around, um, you know, this idea of femininity and feminine, feminine energy. And in some ways I feel like there are some camps that are, so lost in anxiety and fear that they lose that femininity. And there's other camps like me that I was like a drill sergeant that I had my plan and my strategy. And I was so living in masculine that I couldn't really embrace the femininity either. So anything you'd share around that, around like either living in fear or living in control that really helps,
1: that that, that helps prevent that dis- that connection to the feminine, feminine
0: energy.
1: Hmm, I love this question. Before I respond, I'm curious to ask you what What, if anything, did you do to rebalance the equation of like being the drill sergeant and welcome in more feminine energy? We both have, we have, we all, every one of us has our masculine and feminine energy, right? So it doesn't matter what body we're in. It's like, we both have those components alive within us. And so I'm curious if you found a way to invite the feminine in more fully and- balance that equation?
0: For me, it was finding my flow. It's dancing. It's for me, it is, I could stop being in control and and, and building my strategy and, and so on top of it. And so, I mean, I upended every part of my life, my diet, my exercise, how I behave, everything I did, but the moment I could lose myself in time and just joy is mm-hmm. dancing. And so as soon as I would do that, I could, would find myself moving my body and reconnecting my mind in my soul. And that's how I was able to rediscover some femininity is allowing myself some downtime that was spent in joy. It's not spent in fear. It's not spent in anxiety. I'm not trying to please someone else. It's just about me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's like, what is that thing? Because I was again, going to say this looks different for everyone. So it's finding out for yourself. If you already know, great. If you don't know yet, then again, being willing to explore What allows you to enter into that state of timelessness where you feel like everything else just goes away? And I don't mean the, I'm going to watch binge on Netflix, you know, like disconnect from myself and my body and go into a fantasy realm. Not that version, the version of timelessness where you love what you're doing so much that five minutes could have passed or five hours could have passed in. It doesn't even matter. You're just like, you feel so um, dropped into yourself really. And nature does that for a lot of people. It's certainly, that's one of my ways is nature. Moving my body also is a way. Um, creative expression through playing music, making art with other mediums. Um, there's so many ways. Playing with your dog playing with young children. You know, there's tons of ways to access that that state and that state is a feminine state. So I love that you brought that up and it's it's pretty similar to what I was going to say um in terms of how to access it and there's more to say about that but I'm getting like to not to not go deeper into that right now. Okay. Yeah. I, I
0: think for all of our listeners, I would say, like, think about how you're investing your energy and how where you're sitting. And if you're not reflective, if you're not feeling kind, if you're not feeling like you're gentle and things like that, build that opportunity, build space in your time so that you can find your flow and find gratitude and joy. And my hope is that that feminine energy will re enter um, and enter your stratosphere. So that would be a, a piece of advice I'd give to everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. And a reminder too that it might not come at first. You might create, the first step is to giving yourself the time and being curious what might happen. And it may be that when you, when you sit, when you slow down for a minute, that you hear this barrage of inner thoughts that are really full of anger or hate or, you know, and that's, that's totally okay. It's totally normal. It's like, let that all express. For sure. Let it all come, come forth. And all the ugly, you could say all the ugliest things about yourself, your body, the world, specific people, just like let it all out. Write it down, speak it out, let it move through and don't make any meaning about it. It's, you know, you don't have to attach to it. You're not a bad person for saying these horrible things. (laughs) We all think them at different times about different things. Just like setting the judgment aside the best that you can. And even if that's part of it, that you're judgy as heck, you know, it's just like, okay, everything is welcome here in this space. Right? Create that container where for yourself, give yourself that gift where everything is welcome. And none of it is right or wrong, good or bad. Yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about um
0: what we hit on just a little bit earlier, which is that body dysmorphic. And so. I'll give some examples. I had to have emergency surgery. And so I have a large incision in my abdomen. Um, I've spent time with many, many cancer survivors or people who even um, had preventative surgeries that have issues with how they view their body or they, when they look in the mirror, they don't see sexy and they don't see attractive and things like that. So, and that is a big challenge to me because we are, um, you know. Sexiness or looks are only applicable in the first few moments of meeting someone. And then their energy almost always takes over. And we forget that when we think about ourselves. But so let's talk a little bit about the body dysmorphic and, and, and any advice you'd have there.
1: Yeah, I would go um, with some of the things we've talked about already. And I would start with the grieving process for how your body has changed and is different than it was, and then it's not going to be what it was before and that's and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad about that. It's a it's a process this whole thing oh, this was the other part I was going to say about the feminine energy too is um this whole thing is ab- is about how do you surrender even more fully? Yeah. So this is true in all these conversations we're having. It's true. It's like how do we surrender to life more fully? And I mean like an active surrender, a conscious surrender where you're choosing surrender, not a deflated, I don't have any, not a, not that deflated where it's coming from a victim place of just like, I don't have any other choice. I just have to tolerate this and let it happen to me. Not at all that version. The version of surrender that's very conscious, very chosen, very empowered, very powerful and really beautiful. And this is a, this is a lifelong journey that I have been on and I'm still on of like, how do you let go of control just a little bit more, just a little bit more. So with your body changing from this experience, that was in some cases, a traumatic experience, there needs to be a grieving process and so allowing yourself or maybe multiple may, maybe multiple grieving processes multiple times right we said it's not just a fixed one and done deal um and then how can i become friends with my body how can i become friends with that scar what is what's what stories am i holding on to right now about this scar What meaning am I making about this scar? And let those expressions come out. Oh, it's, I'm ugly. No one's going to want me. I look too fat. I look too thin. I look disproportioned. Any of these stories that are circling around in your head, let them have a voice, yeah. not attached to them, but let them come out so that they can be expressed. And then there's gonna be a version of starting to rebuild relationship with your body as it is now. How do I become friends with my body? There's different um, healing practices that you can do with visualization, And listening to your body in a different way. um, There's lots of different practices you can do to start to shift that to a positive relationship to your body rather than a negative one. And ultimately it's like, how do you come to love yourself and and through acceptance? For sure so that that's what your home base is and then that's what's then reflecting out into the world and that's what you're bringing into sexual intimacy with another for sure okay let's hit on another big
0: topic that I've heard of and that is the difference between um I may or may not feel like it but my partner has needs too and that need to please or my need to I just want to have some sense of normalcy and make them feel like I'm not dying or I'm not frail or things like that and it's that not for me, but for others, this is something, an act I just need to do. So how would you talk about that with, with someone who's kind of facing a diagnosis?
1: Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend never doing an act that you don't want to do. <laughs> I would start with that <laughs> and really honoring your needs. And I would say, especially if you're going through a situation like this, I don't even want to say, especially, because honestly, I want everyone to work toward that, no matter what your situation is to just like stop doing the things that you do not want to be doing sexually. Yeah. And cultivate communication skills, you and your partner both, to get better and better at communicating with each other so that you can come to some sort of... There's there's so many ways to achieve sensation, pleasure, and sexual satisfaction. If one doesn't work for you, but the other one wants it, talk about it. You know, like maybe it's just the timing thing In that moment it doesn't work for you. Maybe it's something that never works for you, at least as far as you can tell. You know, it's like the communication is key and to just bulldoze over and do something that you don't wanna to do to satisfy your partner because you're afraid they're gonna leave or any of these types of things, that's just not gonna have the end result ever that is gonna be one that is healthy and vibrant and loving for either one of you. It's a, it's an, it's a disservice to both parties. Um, so just saying that, but also it's so important to prioritize your needs. When you're going through this experience, it's so important for you to speak up and say, no, that doesn't work for me right now. And make a suggestion about another way that could work for you right now. And if that's not actually having sex, is there another way that you can share intimacy with that person that can satisfy something in that moment? And um, this is something that's easier said than done. Yeah. You know, it's not, I'm reminded again of, um, I'm a mom. So like, I'm reminded again of like right after you have a baby and you're just like, your hormones are all over the place and your body's healing and it feels different and you're completely different. And, you know, it's just like, this is a tense moment where you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, I I um, feel kind of like I have to do this right now so that the other partner can have satisfaction. But it is so far from what I wanna be doing right now. And it's like, this is not, a, it's not an easy thing to set that boundary sometimes. But I think and to do it consistently. I think it's not only the boundary, cause that's one
0: thing, but it's the guilt. Mm, that's bigger to me. Like a boundary is I can do pretty easily. It's the guilt that, rots my soul that feeling like I I'm not meeting my partner's needs or I'm not doing what I need to do, or I'm not holding my end of the bargain or like th- that's to me where the other part that needs to be addressed. You don't owe anyone anything, even if you were married to them from yep. a sexual perspective. That is a gift every single time and it's something we should be grateful for. And so it's not something that you should ever hold guilt that you can or cannot perform a sexual act. And I will say I felt it during my cancer journey. You know, I felt like I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that after surgery. And how ridiculous it is now that I have had a year and a half to reflect on that to think in that moment, I felt bad that I couldn't perform a sexual act
1: after surgery. What am I thinking? You know? Yeah. Yeah. We can be very hard on ourselves. Yeah. Very hard on ourselves and to invite a lot more tenderness in relationship to ourselves. You know, gentleness and tenderness and like, take yourself out of yourself for a minute and think, what would I, if this were my friend who were telling me this right now, what advice would I give that friend? Would I tell them, sorry, buck up and go do it, you know? What, What advice would I give them? And what loving advice would I give them? Because maybe you would give them that advice if you're afraid, you know, that, oh, he's going to leave you, you know? So like, let's just add that piece in there. What loving advice would I give to my friends who were in a similar situation? And can I receive that advice for myself, from myself or myself? You know, it's
0: funny you say that because I actually had that exact, like I had a role play in my mind of me giving myself feedback and I'll just be totally transparent and vulnerable. I'd had a relationship for 10 years as I went into cancer on and off for 10 years. So it was on and off Um, and went in thinking I was going to have someone that stood by me. And by the second chemotherapy, I realized I had to break up with them and I had to deal with the trauma of realizing um i would rather never have sex again cuz that's really the decision and and never have the intimacy than to allow someone to treat me in a way that wasn't worthy of who i what i deserved and that was so hard in the middle of all that trauma to choose me. But I think it also was the strongest, the pinnacle and the moment of change where I was not going to allow someone to talk down to me or not gonna allow that. And and the, the fear of never having sex again, cause I thought I was stage four and dying and all those fun things was pretty real, but I was willing to give that up because I deserve better and who I what I needed. And so I just mentioned that to say like, sometimes you do have to choose you. And sometimes you do have to work through your fear I'm much happier on the other side. So I certainly would would encourage everyone to make that same decision, but don't allow that fear of sexuality. If someone's going to leave you because you're not having sex when you have cancer, GFY, you know, like hell no, that's not how we behave to our partners and our friends. So, so I think that, but that mental talk track of actually saying the things out loud and realizing what I had just said out loud and giving
1: myself the advice back that I would give to a friend was extremely helpful. Mm. Yeah. And that's an act of incredible courage that you did to make that decision. You know, that's a big decision for for people to make. Like, especially if you're thinking, I'm never gonna have sex again. Like this might be my last months on this planet. And not just having sex, but like the closeness with another person to be held. To, especially when you're feeling so vulnerable and confronting death. It's like, am I gonna go through this alone? this terrifying experience alone. And that's an act of immense courage that you, that you chose in that moment. And I, I imagine, and based on my personal and professional experience, that the courage and the mindset that allowed you to make that decision is a huge part, if not fully, why you're in remission right now. because I chose me
0: and every decision I make, I choose me. I'm going to choose the healthier option. I'm going to choose to go for the walk. I'm going to choose to surround myself with the energy that feeds my soul. All of those are active decisions, but it took cancer for me to make those decisions and prioritize me over everyone else. Mm -hmm.
1: And here's where you get to see the gift, right? It's like, yeah, it did take cancer. And it was a really harsh Teaching. And you rose to the occasion and you lit you listened. It finally stopped you in your tracks, right? Where you're like, okay, I can't not listen anymore, or I can, but I'll die. Yeah. And I'm not ready to die yet. So, like, what what do I need to know? And wow, what a beautiful, what a beautiful success story in the success being that you chose to listen to yourself. Now you can choose to listen to yourself and it may be that you still leave this body and die. You know, like that's everyone's journey is different. The healing process is you learn to listen to yourself. For sure. You learn that is exactly right.
0: You learn to listen to what your body and mind is t- telling you and actually behaving in a way that serves your future self.
1: Mm-hmm. So, taking that nugget right there and applying that to intimacy and sex and sexuality and pleasure, and making it about learning to listen to yourself and choose you and see what happens. I love it. I don't think you'll be disappointed.
0: And I know we don't have a ton of time and you've given a ton of really good advice, but is there anything else you'd say you'd really think it's important for our listeners to think about as they're wrestling with the complex topic of cancer, or another big diagnosis and thinking about sexuality and femininity and intimacy? What else would you say is really important for our, our, our listeners to know?
1: Reiterating some of the key things we've talked about. You're not alone. Everything that you're thinking and feeling is welcome and it's okay being gentle and kind to yourself and having curiosity and a willingness to explore not trying to go back to the way things were yes. being willing to embrace the path that you're on and the wisdom that is there for you to gain from the path that you're on and trusting the process that yeah you don't you don't know why sometimes the things happen that do happen in your life. And that's okay, you don't necessarily need to know why. There's like a degree of surrender and trusting the process and like, okay, curiosity is gonna be what leads you to this deeper listening and these beautiful unexpected gifts that can come out of a more intense physical journey. And you're you are a perfect example of what that looks like. I am in a different way, but your listeners know you yeah. and your story much more fully. So you have a living example that you've been listening to on this podcast with Julie and, and her story to be inspired by.
0: Well, I appreciate. That, that's wonderful recognition. And I, it is, I do truly hope to, to share my personal experience so that other people can get the full benefit from it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there are some things that I did that were very physical in to help me with this situation. And it was things such as buying new makeup or getting my hair done or buying clothes that made me feel sexy and going into fine clothes that made me feel sexy, which took months to find something that after cancer made me feel sexy. So I think there's, there's, don't be afraid to put some retail therapy to this as well and buy something that makes you feel um, your best, like your best self. And, and makes you feel really good in your body. So I think that would be something that I would say, of, like, don't be afraid to buy yourself a new lipstick or a new bra or a new pair of shoes. And this does not, you know, this, we've been talking a lot about feminine energy. Men, you need feminine energy too. Men, you still could buy yourself a really beautiful, uh, you know, sports jacket or or, or t-shirt or, or flip-flops, whatever it is that makes you feel great. It doesn't matter. So I want to make sure that we're not keeping this to females only. But I think there also are kind of two other things from a physical perspective that I would make sure we want to let our, our listeners know. We've talked about one, which is don't be afraid to explore uh, products such as, or enablers such as lubricants or toys or lingerie or lighting or things like that, 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 that can help set the tone. But also you may want to talk to your doctor or naturopath or herbalist to say, hey, let's check my hormone panels or let's check my blood levels because there may be something else here that's driving into this as well. So from a physical perspective, like don't be afraid of some retail therapy and don't be afraid to set the mood and set the stage, but also make sure your body is physically in its best shape. And you may need to have some hormone replacement or things like that, depending on what's happened with your cancer experience as well. Kristen, Mm -hmm. anything you'd add from a physical perspective?
1: Yeah, no, those are all great tips and insights. And I think that with the retail therapy, I I love that that brought a smile to my face and it's it's again like bringing this sense like your senses right like what's the fabric that feels good on your skin and so it's not just about the external looking in the mirror and what what looks good to you that's one piece but like engage your other senses what is the fabric that feels good on my body that allows me to feel sexy? So as you're like moving through your day, when it brushes across your leg, you're like, ooh, or the way you're wearing your hair, for example, or anything like that. Like what engage your, Engage your other senses.
0: For sure. Okay. And then from an emotional perspective, I just was trying to take some notes as to what some of the things are that we've shared today so that we can have a quick recap for our listeners. And I think some of the things we said are, grieve what will not be. That is important, but also have gratitude for what will be. And that's a duality of grieve it out, but then you have a blank space to really craft the life that serves your future you best. So don't be afraid to, to do both of those things. Tune into your body, especially alone. Make sure you're, you feel comfortable with it and nobody else needs to be around for you to begin to reconnect that soul and body and mind, mind and body, not body and mind, uh, sorry, mind and body so that it really feels like you're one integrated human being. Of course, rediscover your feminine energy and finding your flow and figuring out what really makes you happy and brings you joy. You're your sexiest when you're smiling. Let's not forget that you are, people are most attracted to you when you are in a great space. And so don't be afraid to find those moments where you can really find that smile again. And then I'd say like the last two are really to accept the changes. Don't fight them. They're real. You're not going to change the scar. Accept it but voice your needs and be true to you. And you won't even notice the scar moving forward. So those are some of the things I'd say, Kristen, what, what, what else would you say as kind of a parting words to our listeners around more the emotional aspects?
1: Yeah, I was, I was given a beautiful piece of advice from a dear friend yesterday that has just, I feel like is so potent and perfect for wrapping up right now, which is saying that I get to blank fill in the blank rather than I have to. So I get to go out shopping right now and buy something beautiful for myself. I get to take time for myself right now to grieve this experience. I get to say no to having sex with my partner right now and ask for a different form of intimacy. Instead of I have to go out and get new clothes right now so that I can feel sexy. For example, there's, it's a very simple thing that is a huge paradigm shift and it really shifts you into this place of appreciation and and gratitude. And it's a very, I'm finding it to be a very powerful and expansive, like, a snowball effect of appreciation for what I get to do every day in my life. And this is applicable for every one of us. And I think it's really powerful and beautiful given our conversation today.
0: That's awesome. Well, Kristen, I can't thank you enough for joining us and helping to drop some knowledge bombs on our listeners and help them a, know that they're normal And B, give them some really concrete tips for how they can reconnect to this part that's been so disconnected because of the trauma that we've been facing. You know, for anyone out there, pain is required, but suffering is optional. And these tips and tools we've shared with you today are really designed to help make this suck less. Because again, you have to get through it, but we can help you reconnect to who you are and what brings you joy.
1: Yeah, Julie, I have, do you mind if I hold up my book? Because I have tons of exercises for- Connecting with, for intimacy, connecting with yourself, connecting with unexpressed emotions, grief rituals, all this stuff and more that we've been talking about today. And it is, um, it's a model of healing that really can be beneficial to you if if you're experiencing cancer right now, and if you have gone through the journey in our intermission. And here it's called, We Choose Love, Redefining Our Relationship to Healing an Empowering Approach to Chronic Conditions and Beyond. And you can get it on any of the, the sites, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, other booksellers. And um, yeah, there's tons of exercises, very simple, accessible reading and tons of exercises to be able to work with some of what we've been talking about today or all of what we've been talking about today, actually.
0: And Christian, if someone wanted to reach out to you and learn more or connect with you, how could they find you?
1: Yeah. You could go to my website, which is my name, www.kristendomato.com. And then also my business website is wecometolife.com. So either of those places are excellent ways to reach me. And we will make sure that we link those below this podcast below, but can you
0: just give our listeners a quick moment and can you give just an overview of why, what are your specialties and why specifically, what can you help people with?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. so I have the the book is like the the first immediate entry point that introduces the wheel of whole body healing, this seven aspect model of a mind body, an intuitive mind body system that I have been working with for over a decade now with clients. And so that's a really excellent entry point. And then I also am just about complete with a curriculum program that's going to be available hopefully in February, but it's coming very soon. That is a companion program to the book that really allows you to continue to deepen your journey. Um, And then I do offer one-on-one work with people and the Life After Cancer program where it's discussing all of these different aspects of how you are different on the other end of that journey and how do you build your life from there where do you go in terms of relationship to your body and your sexuality in terms of the grieving processes in terms of anything that will provide you with more wellness and vitality in your life connecting back in with your purpose These types of topics are what we would address. And that's in a a container that's over a longer period of time, a three to six month container.
0: I think that's so important because as I mentioned in, in past podcasts, really, there were a couple moments of really breaking as part of my journey. And the moment I was being declared cancer free was actually the most difficult emotional moment for me because I did not understand how to behave who I was, what I wanted to be like, what I wanted to do with my life. So that was a real big moment. So what Kristen's talking about today, these moments that are really challenging that nobody talks about. And you think you're a little insane for having those challenges and those moments where you're being cancer-free, being told you're cancer-free sounds insane, but what you're offering is true peace of mind because I've had so many people cry in my arms saying, I just don't know how to behave anymore. I don't know how to, I don't know who I am anymore. So certainly those are of you that are facing that moment, I encourage you to reach out. I encourage you to reach to read Kristen's book. It is truly, uh, will drop so many additional knowledge bombs on our listeners and and couldn't be more grateful for your time and talent and treasure today, Kristen. So thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Julie, too. It's such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Yeah. For all of our listeners, we wish you, uh, uh, you know, a, a wonderful health journey. May you live long and,
0: and lucky, and certainly please tune in and hope to, to, hope to hear from you again. If you have any notes or have any questions or want to follow up, we'll put Kristen's info below, and of course, you can always reach out to info at mojohealth.org. Thanks all for joining us, and Kristen, thanks again once for, for, for uh, joining me for this very important topic.
2: Take care, all. Disclaimer. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Mojo Health Cooperative, LLC, a Georgia limited liability company, its respective officers, directors, employees, agents, or representatives. This podcast is presented by Mojo Health Cooperative and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without consent. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes only and not intended to supplant the expert advice and or consultation of a medical doctor and or a licensed physician and or an attorney. In short, this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice nor legal advice. The Mojo Health name and all forms of abbreviation are the property of its owner and its use does not imply endorsement of or opposition to any specific organization product or service again none of the content of this podcast should be considered legal advice nor medical advice as always consult a lawyer and or a licensed physician in lieu of relying upon the advice of any of the participants of this podcast the host or hosts of this podcast are not licensed lawyers physicians doctors of osteopath nor medical doctors in any jurisdiction anywhere the hosts of this podcast do not practice medicine and do not profess to be able to do any of the following one diagnose heal treat prevent prescribe or removing any physical mental or emotional ailment or supposed ailment of any individual two, engage in the end of human pregnancy three treat human ailments nor four, perform acupuncture mojo health cooperative llc is not responsible for any loss Damages or liabilities that may arise from the use of this podcast.
0: Welcome to the Mojo Rising Podcast, where I, Julie Stevens, reveal the most powerful ways to make cancer suck less. I was diagnosed on June 14, 2022, with stage four aggressive, inoperable, and chemo-resistant colon cancer with a 14% chance of survival. By using data and the very best of conventional and traditional healing to guide my holistic approach, I was able to fully heal my stage four colon cancer in nine months. If I would have followed the standard of care offered by most American oncologists, I would be dead. I created this podcast to share everything I've learned to help you have the most enjoyable, efficient, and effective healing journey possible. If you or someone you care about is a newly diagnosed cancer patient, this is the podcast for you. For more information and to access the resources we've built for patients to make cancer suck less, please go to mojohealth.org and become a member of the Mojo Movement. Now it's time to get your Mode your rising. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the ideas shared here, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Please share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from the knowledge bomb we just dropped on you. You can find short video clips of the best moments from this episode at mojohealth.org and on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at mojohealth.org. For more information and to access the resources we've built for patients to make cancer suck less, please go to mojo. Health.org and become a member of the Mojo Movement. Thanks everyone for listening, and we hope this episode has got your Mojo rising.